Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. My name is Eric Wakeling, pastor here at Calvary Church, and thanks to the kids for setting the table for me as well. Uh, we had our uh, family Christmas table last night, and it was a great time, and hopefully a little less touching of the noses with the silverware, but you know, uh, when those set up my table. Um, <laughs> but grateful for all uh, those kids have shown us. Um, but yeah, we had our Christmas table last night. This is actually a picture of a year ago, but we don't, we don't have room for 20 or so inside, uh, but we sit outside and we all have our own traditions. We all have our own things, wearing the paper crowns, uh, making sweet, we have Swedish traditions in our home of making Swedish meatballs and eating lutefisk and other gross things that Swedish people eat. Um, but <laughs> I focus in on the good stuff, the mashed potatoes and the, and the Swedish meatballs. Um, but, you know, we, we have all sorts of different like family traditions that, that lead us uh, towards what we do on Christmas. But the beautiful thing I think is that these tables um, are set with love. These are a day of expressing this love, that you cook with love, you decorate with love, you, um, you spend time together with love, you open gifts and give gifts with love. It's about love, and I love my family so much, and I love this time that we spend together. Um, but this, this table up here represents the table of God, God's table, where no matter what your family situation is, no matter what sort of even unfulfilled hopes and dreams you have of what your Christmas table looks like. Maybe you have certain expectations that haven't come. Maybe there's pain around this time of year. No matter what you experience around your family Christmas table, you have a special invitation, a reserved seat at the table of your God. He welcomes you with open arms, and he wants to welcome you in to have a seat at his great, great feast. And that table is a table of love. Today, on this fourth Sunday of Advent, it was this, this candle of love that we light first, that we've already lit up here. And love is what we've been leading towards this whole time through this period of waiting, this hope, and all of the, the things that we long for is leading us towards love. And it is all love that comes from Jesus coming to earth. So I'd like to read for us from Luke 2. It's the classic Christmas story to have you here. You can read along if you'd like. You can just listen. Luke 2, 1 through 20. At that time, the Roman emperor, Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son, she wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, 
But the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. That is the story of our God come to earth to live as a human being, as one of us, like one of us. And that is how we come to this point of, of being able to receive these things that each Sunday of Advent speaks of, that we have hope. We have hope for a seat at the king's table. We talked about this where King David in the Old Testament, King David uh, takes over the kingdom. King Saul and Jonathan had died. And now it is a new line, a new king. And normally what would happen is that that new king would just take over and take all the stuff that belonged to the former dynasty. But King David comes in and said, is there a descendant of Jonathan? There was a King Saul, then his son Jonathan, who never got to become king. But then now here is David. He says, is there any descendants of Jonathan? They said, yeah, there's this guy Mephibosheth. I love that name, Mephibosheth. There's this guy, Mephibosheth. He is crippled in both his feet, but he is Jonathan's son. And so normally what would happen is this person would have no hope. This person would have nothing. Everything he had would be taken away from him. He maybe even would be killed. But David says, bring him in. And he says to Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth, you will always have a seat at the king's table, at my table. And he ate regularly with him, was with him always. And so that is a, it's just an image. It is a symbol for us to see. It's a foreshadowing of the hope that we have. We have that same hope. We don't deserve to have a seat at the Christmas table of our God. We don't deserve to have a seat there. But that's the beautiful thing about grace is we get what we don't deserve. He gives us that gift of an invitation to his table. So we have that hope fulfilled in Jesus. We also have joy, joy in the feast of our forgiveness, that we celebrate our forgiveness. We might have conviction, we might have guilt, and our response to that, we learn in Nehemiah, is to celebrate, to have a feast, to have a, a party, a holiday feast with our friends and family, and to share with those who don't have anything. We give them gifts of food. It's just a story of Christmas. It's beautiful. And so we have joy in that. We celebrate the forgiveness that we have in Jesus because we know we have peace, peace on earth, that there is now peace 
between God and sinners. That is what Jesus has accomplished. And then finally we come to today, which is love. And we have love from a sacrificial king. The beautiful thing about Jesus as our God, as the king of the universe, is that he lived out love with actions. And he lived that out with sacrifice and humility. And he gave towards us in his love. I want to show you, a, a, I think is maybe the first Christmas carol, okay? The very first Christmas carol. And uh, it was written like in the first century. And it was in the letter to the Philippians. In Philippians 2, in the middle of Philippians 2, there's a little portion that they say is actually an ancient hymn. It's an ancient hymn that was sung even before this letter was given to the people of Philippi back then. And so within here, it says this little portion is this, is this song that was sung. And as we look at the words, I think it's a Christmas song. So check it out. Philippians 2. I'm not going to sing it. We're just going to read it. Okay, so it says... Though he was God, speaking of Jesus, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. See there? And was born as a human being. I'm not sure how this sings that well, but maybe in the ancient Greek, it kind of rhymes a little better, but we'll see. So he, he was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is, I think, the first Christmas carol. And it is singing of Jesus taking on human form. And in doing that, shows his sacrificial love. That he came, he came and took on all of the the pain and the struggle, the joys and the, the happy times, but the sad times and the abandonment and the betrayal, all the things that kind of come in with being a human person and that he gave up his divine privileges and did that even to the point of death on the cross to take the sins of the world upon himself. And then, though, the beautiful thing is he rose again on the third day in victory and in power over sin and over death. And so that's that, that story of Christmas always has to connect to the story of Easter because that's the ultimate good news is that Jesus our God is also the great victor, the, the winner, the king of all kings. But his love, the, the cool thing about his love, again, is it's sacrificial. It's, it's with action. It's with humility. It's with sacrifice. And it's a beautiful, beautiful gift. And so what we see is we start back in that humble, humble time, the very first Christmas, where you have Jesus in a, in a manger in the space reserved for the animals, and he's there. That's that first Christmas dinner that maybe the shepherds were invited to, that they went and hung out there and had that, that Christmas table time together. But Jesus in a manger in a feeding trough for animals. 
And then we look a little bit farther in the story. If you go all the way to the, almost to the end of your Bible, like the third to last chapter in your entire Bible is Revelation 19. You might think that's a weird passage to read on Christmas. And yeah, maybe it is. Um, But what's so cool is when we are considering this Christmas table, we look now and it's into heaven itself is where this takes us. And in heaven itself, there are these praises, these songs of praise to God. And in verse 6, 7, 8 in this region, it says, praise the Lord. This is coming from heaven. This is the he- those in heaven singing these 24 elders and these angels and others. Praise the Lord, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice, and let us give honor to him. For the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb, and his bride has prepared herself. She's been given the finest of pure white linen to wear, for the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's people. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. So we went from that manger scene with animals around to this great wedding feast of the Lamb that is coming one day. The very next thing that happens in Revelation 19 is the return of Jesus in power and strength that he has come back again. We've had the first advent where Jesus arrived in a manger. We look forward to his return again in this great wedding feast. And guess what? You are invited to that great wedding feast. And guess what? You're not just invited, you're actually the bride. The imagery, that this, this symbolism the Bible is using is that you are the bride of Christ being prepared for him. That that's his love. His love for us is that deep and that much and that is how much he offers to you. For you to know that the manger, the first little dinner we have there with the shepherds in a feeding trough eventually leads towards the wedding feast of the lamb. That's why this is such a holy night. That night, at that manger, this all began for us. That's when it all happened. God becoming human flesh. That's Christmas. Emmanuel, God with us. He came to be with us, but he came with an invitation with an invitation to this great wedding feast of the Lamb, that we are the bride. We are able to be with him forever in glory. The feeding trough of the manger has now become a feast. And so this season of Advent, this season of Advent that is culminating today, as we are here on Christmas Eve, and in a moment we'll light the Christ candle that, that's, that shows that he has come. He has come and he is coming. And so this, this season of Advent is all about this arrival of Jesus. Now, the beautiful thing about the culmination of Advent, of his actual arrival then, is it shows us that the waiting isn't forever. Because we're waiting again. We're waiting now. You're all in the midst of kind of a waiting for these hopes to be fulfilled. These longings, these desires, these, these needs for forgiveness, for being made right with God, for all that is broken to be made whole again, for all that is sick to be healed, 
for all of our hearts that are broken to be made whole again. We're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting. And the beautiful thing, again, as I said, that in Advent, waiting might be our present reality, but it is not our eternity. Jesus has arrived, and he is coming back again. All will be made right. All will be made whole. All the parts inside of us that are hurting and longing and broken will be healed. That is what Jesus has come to do. That is what we celebrate. And that is what we hope to shine a light to the rest of the world about as well. And if you've never heard this before, I just invite you to respond to Jesus today, to respond to him, Lord, I need you, I need you. But what we'll do now is we're gonna light the Christ candle. And we'll have our time of candle lighting. So I'm gonna move back here. <clears throat> and how this will work is, I want you to understand what's happening here, okay? That as this Christ candle is lit, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. And so then I'll light my own candle and bring it down to some friends who will then bring it to you. So now's the time to kind of bring your candle out. And this, this light will then spread all the way from the front, all the way to back throughout this room. And it's this symbol of the light of Christ that you are also the light of the world to shine your light to others. And so I pray that it would go beyond these walls even and out to those in our lives. So we light the Christ candle and recognize that he has come. The advent has happened. So as I bring this light, I just encourage you to remain seated during this time and just kind of holding your candle vertically and just being aware of your surroundings. That would be great as well. So <laughs> we light the Christ candle.